world, healthy marriage, uh, no, healthy family, modern family, healthy family. And uh, you get a Bible. If you get a Bible, get one out. Um, uh, we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 7. I don't know what page that is in those yellow Bibles, but those Bibles in there in the pews are for you. If you don't own a Bible, that belongs to you now. It's a gift from the people of Church Triumphant to you, and so take it with you, the one in the pew. The rest of you can turn to you version if you've got your iPads or your smartphones, and we'll, we'll, we'll track together there. Um, we're going to talk about a gift today that most of you wouldn't consider a gift. A few, a few Christmases ago, we decided we'd turn the tables on my, on my children. And instead of uh, giving them a bunch of gifts under a tree, we decide we'd do something to create a family memory. And so when they got up Sunday morning, there were a couple things under the tree, and one was the beginning clue for a scavenger hunt. And we ran them all over the place where we lived. They finally end up in, this, in, in, in the shed outside, and there's this humongous box inside there. And all four of my kids are like, and they start ripping, and, and they open up the box, and then there's straw inside the box. And they keep digging. And they get to the bottom, and they find a piece of paper that's a printout that we were going to take them to, to Great Wolf Lodge for Christmas. And you, I wish that would have been the response, Todd. But my kids went like this. Is that all? Until we started on the journey. Initially, the gift didn't look like a gift. In fact, it felt like it was a deflating thing. And then they started the journey, and when we got to Great Wolf Lodge, the response was, Dad, can we do this again next year? And we went, yes. And so today we're going to talk about a gift that most of us, opening the box, would go, oh, isn't there anything else? Oh. But if I, if I encourage you, start the journey with Jesus and see where it ends up. Okay, we're going to talk about today, oftentimes we talk about family issues and things in the church. We forget a segment of our population, which are people who find themselves dealing with singleness. And the thing is, they are a part of our family, married, unmarried, divorced, widowed, however they may find themselves, they are a part of us, and we have to know as a body of Christ, number one, that that's okay that they are that, number two, that God has a plan for them, and number three, that we should rally around them as they walk out what God's working out in them. Is that cool? So today, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 7, because Paul declares this to be a gift. 1 Corinthians 7, 6 says, I say this as a concession, not as a command. He says, he's been talking in context about marriage. The whole, the whole first part of this chapter is about marriage and uh, interactions between husbands and wives and things like that. And he goes, I say this is a concession, not as a command, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Then he goes on to say, yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. And most of us hear those words, a gift from God, and go, uh, I don't think so. Singleness a gift, Really? I want to talk about today what that looks like and how you walk that journey. And at this point, I'm going to kind of be brief in talking, believe it or not. Because I have a panel of people here who've learned to walk that particular journey, and all of them have a different, different point of view, a different perspective on it because of where God's brought them from and where he's leading them to. And so I'm going to introduce to you them each an individual state. And so today, to lead us into our, to our talk is a great lady of God, faithful woman, who's walked with Jesus through singleness and done great things for the kingdom. Would you like to hear her story? I present to you Nancy Carter. Nancy, will you tell us about the gift? 
Mine starts out by, if you've got the PowerPoint, it says single by choice. And if you would have asked me that a month ago even, I would have said no. When Aaron asked me to share, it was at a board meeting. And we were sitting around a table, and he was telling us about this um, series that he was going to do. And he said, and Nancy, I'll probably have you sharing. And I just, but in my heart, I'm thinking, no, I do not want to. How do I get out of this? But I knew that God wanted me to share. I would have, and my thoughts were at that time, I did not choose to be single. It chose me. And Mary said, well, just tell them that. I said, well, that's going to be a quick message. (laughs) And uh, God showed me, and he convicted me, really. He says, you may not have chosen it, but you did choose me. And even after I was saved, various um, earliest state that I was in when I was saved was that, yes, I want to be married, but God, even more than that, I want to be yours. I want your best. I want what you have for me. I didn't want compromise, not compromise at all. I knew that in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. And those verses, it talks about the first and great commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our minds. And even though I was praying to be married, I was also saying, God, I want you. I want to love you with everything that I have. And if that means being single, okay. That's not my heart. That's not my desire. But you're my greater desire. And... God just carried me through that. You know, there were times that I wanted marriage, and I believed for marriage, and I desired marriage. And I knew that if I really wanted to be married, I could have done it. We see people taking alternative routes all the time. Now, last week, Aaron talked about Abraham and Sarah, and he said, what were they thinking You know, and I'm sure that you've all had friends that, and maybe yourselves, but you took a route that you knew was not God because you wanted something so badly. And I had friends that I knew that got married outside of God's will. They were tired of waiting on God. They were tired of doing things his way. And so they did it their way, only to face a mess. And so I had prayed, God, this is what I'm believing for. This is what I want. But I ask that you keep every man away that's not of you. I just wanted that protection. And as we prayed earlier, or as we said earlier, be careful what you ask God for. Because he does it. And so there were times that I dealt with, well, God, I feel rejected. No one wants me. And he said, well, what did you pray? I remember I um, was at a retreat one time, a women's retreat, and there was an elderly woman there, Nancy Red, if you know Nancy Red, And she got the icebreaker question, what's your idea of a perfect date? And she said, well, at this point in my life, someone that's breathing. <laughs> you know, we can all be desperate at times, so desperate that we make choices that are not of God. I th- I'm thankful that I wanted someone with a little bit more life. You know, maybe some teeth and, you know. But God was faithful. In Jeremiah 29, he talks about to the nation of Israel that was held as captives. 
he says to them that he has a hope for them, a good end for them, a plan for them, a purpose for them, that they were to call unto him and he would answer them. And I knew that was true of God, that God would do that for me. So even amidst all of the darkness at times, God sustained me. You know, he protected me. There were times that I did feel rejected, times that I felt alone, times that you just don't seem to fit in to places, even at church, because church is built around families. You know, sometimes you feel like the odd person out. And then you have well-meaning people saying, well, when are you going to get married? Don't you want to be married? And it's like, duh. Don't you want children? And they ask questions like that. You know, I'm guilty of asking questions that I don't have a clue what I'm asking sometimes. God carried me through all of that. In Psalm 37, 25, David said, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his um, seed begging for bread. His descendants begging for bread. And as I look back over this journey, and it has been a journey. I wasted a lot of time complaining. Mary tells me sometimes I have a gift for whining. <laughs> and, and I can whine with the best of them. You know, but I wasted a lot of times just being consumed by what I wanted. And I'm so grateful that I can look back and say, God, you sustained me. You protected me. You carried me. And I was never, ever at lack with you, God. That you were my everything. It says also in Psalm 37, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. And he will fit it all together for you. It doesn't matter what state you're in, whether you're married and you're miserable, whether you're single and you're miserable. It says in, in Deuteronomy, he will bless you coming in and he will bless you going out as long as you're obedient to him. Commit your way to God, regardless of what state you're in, and he will make it right. Serve him. There's some admonishments I would like to, to leave with you. Know who you are in God. In Psalms 139, it's a beautiful psalm, and it talks about how precious we are to God. That he knew us before we were even formed, before we were even created. Some of you may feel like rejects, and, and at times I did, or you may feel like you don't belong, or you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not this enough. And God says, you're precious in my sight. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're his. So know who you are in Jesus Christ. Feed on God. Not what the world tells you. Not what modern family tells you. Not even what your flesh would tell you. Feed on God. Feed on his word. Fill yourself up with his word. Feed on prayer. Feed on being a servant. There were times that I did not feel like serving. There were times that I just wanted to feel sorry for myself. But I'm so thankful that God would not allow me to stay in that place. Yes, I had a choice. But he nudged me and convicted me. And the times when I felt the most alone is when he wanted to use me to minister to others in that same state. Be a servant. Know that you're... Completeness is in Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. Know that no one else can make you happy. Only Jesus. 
Only he can fill that void. You may be surrounded by a whole group of people and still feel alone. But Jesus can fill that void. Be accountable. You need people around you that will pray for you and with you. That will encourage you. That will correct you. And say, what are you thinking? You know, and I was so fortunate um, to have family and friends that I knew loved me. In spite of myself at times. Guard your heart. Guard your eyes. Guard your, guard your ears. Guard your minds. There's a typo and it's my fault. Um, it should be Psalm 34, not 134. But turn from evil and do good. Turn from evil. Those movies, those songs, those TV programs, those books, those magazines, those um, encounters that you know are not pleasing to God. Don't even entertain them. You know, and God warns us. You know, Mary talked about it, and I was thinking of a time that God had had me praying for this single man, and I was just praying for him, and I thought, I'm going to go share my heart with him. And he gave me a dream, and he said, don't do it. Because it will set something up. And so God is faithful to warn you, to direct you, and to lead you. Most importantly, follow God. Only he can satisfy you. Don't look back. Don't look at what you don't have. You know, I mentioned earlier in the first service, there's a song that has come to me for the last month. So much I wake up and I'm going down the stairs and that's the song of my heart. I go to bed or I wake up in the middle of the night. That's the song. I go through the day and it's like, God, I need a new song. But it talks about when heaven came down like a wet, sloppy kiss. When heaven met earth like a wet, sloppy kiss. And that's God's love for us. His love for us, that he's just all over us. If you have a dog, you know, and it's like you come in that door and that dog is all over you. We used to have a German shepherd. And I came in that door and, you know, he would stand up to meet me in the, the tongue all over my face. But I knew he loved me and was glad that I was home. And, and think how much greater that love is from God. And then there's another verse it says, um, I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that he loves me. You know, we can all have regrets in our lives. Regrets that I'm not married. Regrets that maybe I didn't do what God wanted. Regrets for wrong thinking. Regrets for what I believed or didn't believe what I did or didn't do. To maintain those regrets is a lot of work. To maintain a home is a lot of work. To maintain those kind of regrets only leads to oppression and depression and in a wedge between you and God and other people. Instead of thinking about what we don't have, begin to think upon him and the way that he loves us. He sustains us and allows us to go on to serve him. If I could ask a question, it would be... Um Describe for us how, how you discovered that, that, that being single is, is what God has for you. I mean, was there a moment where you went, hey, this is it? Or was it just, as you, you know, explain it, what, what the process looked like. No, there wasn't a moment. It was just really a journey, just walking it with God and um, just serving him and, and just uh, finding yourself in that place and realizing it and being able to praise God in the midst of it. Um, not saying, well, I wish, I wish, I wish, 
but saying, God, I'm thankful. Yeah. I'm thankful for the opportunities I have. You know, I am busy in the church. I love the opportunities of being able to serve my family as needed, to, to help with mom as needed. Um, just to actually enjoy it now. You know, and, and I would like to say that was during the whole process, but it wasn't. It was a process. And so I would encourage you, regardless of what state you're in, if you're finding yourself miserable, seek God out. He, whether he has you in that place or not, you know, it may be something that you ended in by your own choices, but God is faithful and he will take you through this life so that it's a joyous adventure and not just something you have to get by, get through until you're in heaven. I appreciate somebody who steps over a line and puts herself in a place of discomfort and that faces something she didn't want to face, but walks with Jesus through it. And so, Nancy, I want to say thanks. Thanks for sharing your heart and your life with us. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you get a chance to hear that? I am going to ask another lady to share her story. Hers is different than Nancy's. She's as faithful. I've known these ladies. I told somebody in the first service, and I don't. I know it's not good to say these kinds of things about women, but I've known them for like half my life, and, um, uh, and so you can do that math if you want to. Um, and and but I've watched them be faithful and walk with Jesus and 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 love Him with all their heart. And so Mary Moore, the uh, great leader here at the church, uh, does a women's connection group on Tuesday mornings. And so if you're a woman who needs accountability, like Nancy talked about, that'd be a great place uh, to, for for you. You may talk to Mary afterwards. Mary, tell us your story and how God encouraged you. Okay, my story is entirely different from Nancy's. And, um, and this happened when I was and this happened when I was 38 years old. But, <laughs> but when um, I got saved not till I was 33. And so before that time I got saved I had a different life than Nancy did, and I'd, I'd been through, I was on my second marriage, and I had kind of like a, a different life, um, where I didn't set the bar for, for the men in my life, and there was always a boyfriend, always um, something going on, and, uh, but then I got saved at 33, and my husband didn't, and so after about five years, he decided that he wanted to leave, and without, he just left. No warning, no nothing. He just left, and there was no conversation. And so, at that time, I was still a baby Christian, and and I so I said, God, I'll, I'm I'm just going to believe him to come back. I'm just going to believe that he's going to get saved, and you're going to bring him back and restore the marriage. And so there was a lot of feelings that I had during that time, a lot of anger, things that I had to work out. And one day I, I saw, you know, in the paper somebody called me that he got married. And so that was turned around real fast. And I said, okay, he's married, and uh, I can't believe for that anymore. And so I started praying for a husband. And I said, God, just bring me a husband, one that you've chosen. And time went on, but I set my bar really high because I know what it was to live with an unsaved husband. 
And I didn't want one just saved. I wanted him filled with the Holy Spirit, and I wanted him to be on fire. Because during the year, and the two years before I asked for a husband, I really got on fire. Because I was with God crying about every day. And in that time, we got close. And I was on fire. So I really had to set my bar high because I wasn't going to settle for any, anyone less. And so when an unsaved guy asked me out, I just say no. I didn't even go and open that door. I just said no. And um, anyone else. And uh, I just had my bar set really high. So that was pretty easy because no one had asked me out that was up there. And so God gave me Isaiah 43 like six months before my husband left. And I didn't know why. I just kept reading this and praying over it. And then when he left, I knew what God was saying. And and uh, it just starts out by saying, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name and you are mine. Wow. You know, God says, I am his. And the more I kept reading this, the more for a husband, those desires started to leave. He said he loved me. In verse 5, he said, do not be afraid, for I am with you. In verse 10, he said, you are my witness, declares the Lord, and my servant, who I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. And so I kept reading that and reading that, and he just, you know, I just seen him as my husband, as my husband, because he loved me, he chose me. He redeemed me, and just on and on. And then I came to verse 18, and God was saying, don't remember the former things. More or less, behold, I have a new thing for you. Get excited, because I have a whole brand new thing for you. And so then I knew that that, um, God was seeing me through this and changing my heart and changing my feelings. And so, um, see, then I started praying one day. And in this, my prayer life started to grow and grow and grow. And um, it's just like I seen, like heaven. It's just like I had a vision of, of heaven. And, and Satan was before the throne, and they were talking about me. And Satan said, she will not serve you without a man. And God says, yes, she will. And at that time, because I really never did without a man, two marriages, and after high school, it's just like I kind of changed my life, and I just never set a bar. I was just dating, and, you know, it didn't last. I had a hard heart from my first marriage. And so I just felt that, you know, that singleness, the gift come over me where my desires, oh, maybe I don't want a husband. And, and all along the way, God warns me because, you know, in, in every situation that you go through, God is birthing something wonderful, a new thing in me. But Satan also is try, was trying to birth something in me to leave God, to go back into the world that I was, you know, came for my um, salvation and so he was birthing something in me, and God was birthing something in me, and God says, Satan's baby had to die. 
And so it did. And, and, and when, you know, it's just that I accepted that gift of singleness. And, and, um, and even in, and before that, I had this vision that there was, when I was married, of a fire and many changes taking place in, in this vision. And God said, you were going to be going through the fire. How many changes are going to take place in your life? So there was another warning, which I would thought was a good thing, the changes, which eventually were. But during that time, it wasn't so fun. So I felt all my desires. I was, I was happy, joyful. I had a lot of fun being a single. I was content being married, but I, I, I was really content in my singleness. I'm, I was not a lonely person, and I'm, I just don't get lonely. I mean, it's like I, even though I've been through two marriages, um, I've never been lonely. Um, and because the rest of the time I was single, but I just, you know, I just don't, I really like living alone. I really like my, my, um, to be alone and single. But when I want to be with people, I have a lot of friends. And I have a, a sister that she's just, She's just more than a sister. She's my best friend, and she, as we say, we can gripe to each other, we can complain to each other, and love each other, and and that God gave me Nancy, and so that's basically um, in Isaiah fifty four. This is what God said: "For your Maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty. It is is His name." And so that's what I accepted. And that's what I believe, I believe because of, this is just me, it's not a say of the Lord, but I believe because of my past and the way it was and the way I was. And when I got saved at 33, I believe after he left, that there was a life that it's like, Mary, you're, you're going to have a, a life of singleness and a life of purity. You know, something I never thought I would be pure again, um, but when he forgave me, I was. But it's even purity in my walk. And so my new thing came about. He called me to singleness, and he called me as an intercessor. And so he did do a new thing in me. And the joy came back, the happiness, the contentment, it all came back. And so that's basically it. Is it now? Hey, I like that. Um, explain it by the process. Um, obviously, there was brokenness in your life. Two marriages, a divorce. My husband just leaves one afternoon. No, Did you experience singleness at that moment, or did it take time for God to take the broken pieces of your heart and put that together? Can you explain, can you explain that? Yeah, my heart was broken. And, and to the fact that it's, it's not that I couldn't get over the love thing. It was the rejection thing, that he just, how he did everything and the anger. But it was all in time. It, was, it, took, me, it took me a long time to heal over the rejection and how it happened 
and uh, because I just did a little bit at a time. I get with God and work on one problem. I get with God and work on the next step and get with God and work on the next step. He just took me until one day I just knew, wow, I got through this and it doesn't hurt anymore. I'm healed. And so then I went on to pray for a husband, but then I realized that was it. the gift of singleness. There's something for all of us in that statement she just made. She did with one thing with Jesus at a time. Just took one thing on and another thing and let him walk her through that. And that's, that's beautiful. I, I hope that's this encouragement some of you. Because we're learning to walk with Jesus. Even though we may not be in exact, any of the same situations that, that Nancy or Mary are in. But we're learning that, man, Jesus can walk us through. Regardless of what it is. How frustrating life can be. How dark it can be. Jesus can walk us through. Would you give Mary a hand clap for just sharing her heart and her life with us today? Now, we, we've done this on purpose. We've kept students. We, have, we, keep, we keep youth ministry people in first Sundays on purpose. And this is important because, you know, I, we know the culture puts pressure on you to have somebody. And at school or wherever, you feel like the pressure of, 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 of all of that and, and trying to feel wanted and needed and, and beautiful and, and handsome and, and all that in a bag of chips. And, and you know what? Uh, we're finding out today that... that, that you are not in, in your, in your own, on your own. You are that because you're in Christ. Because he loves you. And so we're going to talk to, to a guy right now who's in a di- whole different realm of, of singleness than, than Nancy or Mary. This is Don Anderson. Would you make Don welcome? And his journey's slightly different than both of theirs. And he's on a different side of it than they are. So Don, will you explain your story and, and, and your encouragement from, from God? Okay, um, first of all, I'm 28 years old, um, and I've never been married. I've always wanted to be married, but uh, that just hasn't happened for me yet. And, you know, before I got saved, I had you know, my fair share of one-night stands and bad relationships, things like that. Uh, so I know what it's like to have a relationship. So once you've kind of known what it's like, and then you have to do without it, it even makes it that much harder. So I started serving the Lord when I was about 21. So I've been serving the Lord seven, eight years. And, um, you know, I've, I've been in a couple relationships, you know, numerous dates, but nothing has ever really panned out for me. And uh, it's been really, really hard. I'll just be real, real honest with you. I mean, it, it's tough. Um, I mean, teenagers, you, you know, you might think it's tough when you're young, um, to be without someone, but it's even harder when you're older because you're not living with your parents anymore. You live by yourself. All your friends are married, so you don't really have nobody. So it's even that much harder. Then you have to balance all the other responsibilities of life by yourself, uh, it's, and it's tough to be alone. So, you know, especially when you're getting up to my age, I'm almost 30 years old. So I'm starting, you know, I deal with a lot of thoughts like, well, you're almost 30 years old. I mean, if you ain't married by now, you might not ever get married. You're, you're probably not going to ever get married. I mean, I really contend with those thoughts quite frequently. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's been a real struggle. And not to mention, it's very hard on your own self-concept because you, you really fight a lot of insecurity. You know, you're like, well, what's wrong with me? You know, why am I still single? You know, I just give you an inside peek into kind of like my thought process, you know, I think, well, I'm almost 29 years old. 
I feel like I'm a fairly decent looking guy. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying like I'm a 10, like a George Clooney or, you know, but like I feel like I'm a fairly decent looking guy, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape. I spend three or four days in the gym a week, you know. I'm, I got my education. Uh, I have a good job. Um, I love Jesus with all my heart. I'm like, I'm still single though, nothing. I'm like, I don't understand, like what's wrong with me? You know, so it's, it's hard on your self-concept to be single. Um, but what, what I've had to do to kind of fight the good fight of faith, basically, and that's what I'm doing. You know, I'm holding on. I'm hoping yeah. that that's going to, it's going to happen for me someday. Is basically, I just have to claim the promises of God. Yeah. You know, I have to meditate upon the Word of God. And, uh, you know, God's Word says that if you delight yourself in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Um, he also said it's not good for a man to be alone. So that's why he created Eve for Adam. You know, so even God is in agreement with me that it's not good for me to be alone. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, I mean, I really, have to, I really have to grab hold of those when times get hard because the devil wants to, wants to pit me against God and say God doesn't want good for you. It's never going to happen for you. So won't you just go take matters into your own hand and do what you used to do because you know you can get it that way. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So I'm all, I fight that temptation, you know, but I'm not going to sell out. I just know that, that way is not an option. That won't work. That's a, that's a broken system. It won't function anymore. Yeah, right. God's way is the only way. That's right. So I have to trust. Mm-hmm. And all throughout the Bible, you can look and see that many of God's people got in trouble in the waiting period. There's always the trouble in the waiting period. They don't want to trust and wait and believe God, so they take matters in their own hand and bad things happen, such as Abraham and Hagar, like you were saying last week. But we have to just trust trust and obey. That's the only way. I think that's a song, too. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one of the practical things that I do is, you know, I have to know the Word of God, and I have to claim the promises of God, and I have, you know, that's my prayers to God. You know, I just keep believing. Um, and the, the second thing that I do is, I have to be accountable to someone. Um, we all have to have someone in our life, at least one person, that we can just be totally real with, share all of our stuff with, because we can't keep that. The, the Satan traffics in darkness. When you hide things and keep things in, man, the devil loves that. He'll use that stuff against you, and it will. It just causes bad things to happen within you. You know, we're supposed to continually release stuff, yeah. release stuff. We're supposed to be like a river. You know, water flows into it, water flows out of it. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to always be being purged, cleaned of all the baggage that we're holding in. And it talks about that in James chapter 5, I believe it's verse 16. It says, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. You know, there's something powerful about confessing our faults to one another. I just, I've made this observation in my own life over the last several years. It's not something I've just read out of the Bible. It's just this fact that I know. I know it from, you know, experience that, and it's because I have a lot of issues. I've had a lot of issues in my, in my life. I have. I had a lot of stuff I've had to fight through to get from, to get from point A to point B. I'm a lot less... Uh, I don't have as many issues today. I'm, get, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. <laughs> but uh, I've just found that once I, I start building stuff up and I start getting depressed or anxious and real heavy and weighed down, 
as soon as I go talk to somebody about it and really just share my heart, pour my heart out, and they listen to me and we talk, I immediately feel better afterwards. You know, there's just something therapeutic about sharing and talking about what's on your heart, what you're thinking and feeling. Um, and not only that, not only will they be able to shoulder your burdens by listening to you, but they can pray for you too. Yeah. You know, it says, and pray for one another so you might be healed. So not only are you praying about the problem, they can pray with you. And uh, there's power and agreement. You know, so uh, practically speaking, that's how I've really dealt with my singleness, just by claiming the promises of God, and I can just continue to share what I'm thinking and feeling with other people. You know, I'll tell anybody to listen. <laughs> if I'm struggling, man, like I got to get it off my chest, you know. So that was gonna be a question I was gonna ask. How how do you the, the theme been here? Nancy's talked about it. Mary's talked about it. Now you've said it. How have you how have you found people to be accountable to in the middle of your singleness? How, how do you know when you can trust someone or when it's okay to, to to go there with issues and things? I just know. Okay. <laughs> I know. That, I know that that doesn't sound. I don't know, I guess we always look for a formula, but like you know when there's someone that you just feel like you can just be totally open with them. You know, you just have those people in your life. You just, and generally the first time you meet them, you knew that I just feel like I've known this person forever. Like they're your close friends. You know, those are the people that you can share that stuff with. And I think that you got to be careful too. You know, you got to give someone, uh, you got to start small. You know, share something with them. If they're faithful in that, share some more. Yeah, that's kind of how it works. Do, you, do either of you have, have, have comments about that, how you find that connection with people to, who, who it's okay to share what you're, what you're connecting with? with? Either. Huh? It's easy for them. They're sisters, so they, they've kind of got, got a connection. Well, Nancy with. is my number one teller. I tell her everything, even the things she didn't want to hear. I tell her everything. <laughs> and uh, But I have a, a, a close group of friends that I can tell anything to and uh and then and so I just I just know who they are that I can talk they can, that I can tell them things that they will never judge me they're you know they just know me and and but I can tell them bad things about me or an ugly day and and they still love me the next day yes same Mary knows everything about me um but also, <clears throat> you can know just by their own, their walk with God. Are they gossips? Are they constantly complaining about someone or something? Um, are they people that just genuinely love you? And, um, you know, I'm thankful that there have been those that, you know, have just encouraged me. You know, Mary has always been there. You know, Alice when I'm at my worst, she's always bringing a scripture to me saying, God loves you. He loves you. You know, there's others, Sarah, that has seen me at my worst, and they still love me, and they, you know, hold my confidence as Sue as we've gotten, you know, closer over the years. And, and it's just, they're there. And like Don said, you just know, and it's by the Spirit of God you know. Unfortunately, you know, along the journey, I've gotten burned a few times. That's not easy, and sometimes you want to pull back, and you don't want to trust people. Um, but it's all about letting go again and, you know, and trusting God. I think the big point here is that um, we, all, we all need to be the body of Christ to one another. And people who, 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 have, who are in this particular predicament need to be open 
to allow God to build relationships around you that can sustain you, number one. Uh, number two, the rest of us have to be willing um, to be uh, the gap fillers at times. We have to be open to that. And so if I could ask you guys a question, uh, you guys reference questions and pressure and things that are posed to you. Right now as a single person, what can the body of Christ as a whole um, do to help you help other singles in the body? What, what are some things that you, you would need from, from, from the married, unmarried, everybody alike that, that, that would help, help you in, in the situation that you're in? If you could give each person out here one thing they could do that would help the single, the single people in the rest of this congregation, what would, what would be the one thing you'd tell them to do for them? I would say just don't forget about the single folk. <laughs> you know, what I mean by that is um, I think single people get slighted a lot because, like Mary was saying, most everything in our culture functions around family. So, like, you know, married people hang out with married people. Single people generally hang out with single people. But a lot of times there's more married people than there are single people. So the single people get left out. And uh, a lot of times those single people might not have much family or anything. So... I guess what I'm saying is, when you when remember to invite the singles over, or you know, just don't forget about them. You know, incorporate them. I think I'd have to agree. It's not really, as I'm older, as much of an issue. But when I was younger, just um, I felt excluded a lot because everything did involve being with the married people and and you were just kind of left out you know if you didn't have someone you were kind of left out and it wasn't really that I was alone because I have a huge family but just um you know not every day is Christmas and Easter when you're with your family you know so just seeing that um include people you know and it's same for singles and you know don't isolate yourself so that you're just hanging with singles you know that group that connection there. Okay, she agrees. Just don't forget. Um, I, I want to say some things. Um, I know some of you are sitting here and thinking, I don't, I don't two, two things I want to say. Some of you feel like, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to be single or the rest of my life or not. Here's one thing I, I would say. Some of us may not be single now, but might find ourselves being that for all sorts of reasons. And so we've got to be willing to understand and, and, and be willing to navigate those waters and think through the, these thoughts. For sure, all of us have people around us who are frustrated, lonely, tired, um, by themselves, and we've got to be aware of what's going on. And so it, I, I want to encourage you along some lines. There's, there's, uh, uh, some, of us, uh, some of us are going to pursue relationships anyway, and you still find yourself single. So I want to give you some practical things to contend with, but I want you to think about something really quick first. Acts 17 says like this, from one man, he created all the nations. A single guy. God created Adam, and Adam was all by himself, the only human being that existed. The only one. You're just seeing Jesus. Now, as we would, we'd find him going down the road, uh, in, his, in his journey, God would provide later, but he was single at that point. And then it goes on to say, and he did, and God, he determined the boundaries of the nations. He, he, his purpose, now check this out, was for the nations to seek after God and per- perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. For all of us, single, married, widowed, divorced, navigating the dating life, whatever, he is, though he is not far from any of us, 
And the scriptures say, for in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. So the point for all of us, married, single, is this. We have to, we have to let God draw the boundaries. We, we can't determine the boundaries ourselves. It's in him that we live, that we move, that we have our being. So I could offer anything to you, single or not. Let God draw the boundaries. Find your completeness in him. I, I, the next point I would say on here is get a life. And I don't say that in jest. Okay? Allow God to determine when, it, when, where, when, who, and if. The way you do that is you, you find life in him. Some of you are waiting for somebody else to complete you. Bad move. Because nobody can complete you. No human being has the power to fill the hole that exists inside your chest. Not one person on this planet. What you have to do is allow Christ to complete you, and then if he desires, let him bring somebody alongside of you to compliment you. Compliment where God's got you. Compliment where God's sending you. Compliment what God's doing in you. Allow that to happen, and then you may find uh, the, the journey uh, going on. Another thing I'd say to you, college age, middle age, teenagers, you have to perceive this. Every person you would date is a potential spouse. Most of you are not going to just off the cuff walk in someplace and be proposed, proposed to somebody or, proposed, or be proposed to by somebody you've never dated. Chances are you're going to go on a date first. So you have to look at every person you may event, that you would consider having a date with as a potential spouse. And if they are not what you envision God wanting to have for you, you should just say no automatically. Don't even consider that. Be, be done with that. Number three. Set some clear boundaries. Nancy, Mary, Don have all inferred that or said that directly. Ahead of time, before you ever take the, offer the invitation to a date or receive an invitation to a date, set boundaries. One of them ought to absolutely be you are saving yourself, your, your purity for marriage. There should be no question about that. And if you haven't done that, listen, there's this thing called grace Mary referred to it about this idea of purity that God will bestow upon us because of the righteousness of Jesus. Right now, you can start today and say, I'm going to get that one right, even if you haven't got it right in the past. Number two, I would say this, don't shack up. I know that's popular in our culture. Don't do that. There's somebody, well, how are you going to, how, how are you going to know about the car until you test drive it? Oh, give me a break. That so devalues the idea of marriage. You want something high. You want something powerful. You want something strong. And so save that gift for marriage. Number one. Number two. Don't, no equal unequal yokes. Uh, you, can't, you can't invite somebody to be on a journey they're not on. I'll walk with you on some place. If you're going two different directions, you can't go there. If they're not serving Jesus, you can't do that. If you're not serving Jesus yet, you need to. <laughs> and he stands with the arms open wide and says, listen, walk with me. I'll fill, I'll fill your life. I'll take care of you. I'll help you. I'll walk with you. I can be there 24-7, 365, and all those other numbers we add to that. And, and, and so trace of him. Be slow intentionally. The very I tell this to people all the time, and they will not listen. So listen to me really clearly. The very first, the numero uno description God gives love in 1 Corinthians 13 is love is patient. And I face more problems with married couples because they hurry up and ran down the aisleway. Be patient. 
If, it's, if it ain't patient, it ain't love. I don't know. You can, uh, I can tell you what it, what it probably is. It starts with an L, too. Love is patient. And so remember that. Um, keep your eyes open. Look for warning signs. If all of your friends are saying, hey, that person's a bad deal, they're probably a bad deal. If you've got godly parents and they're saying, hey, that person's a bad deal, they're probably a bad deal. If you, if you, if you get nudges at night about, dude, don't go there, don't open that door, don't do that, hey, don't do that. Really good policy, don't do that. Uh, 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 keep your eyes open. And I want to say this, if you're, you may be lonely, but you are never, ever alone. Jesus promises us he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He never will. He's there all the time. And so if we can encourage you in one thing, uh, all of us, the gospel is this, that Jesus came to all of us. He came for all of us. God so loved the world. Today, you have to know that. As a follower of Christ, maybe you're not a follower of Christ yet, but all of us need to come to grips with that idea that he loves every one of us. And his arms are open wide. He says, come walk with me and I'll walk with you.